Our top story, though, the conflict in Ukraine and the latest moves by Russia, from Vladimir Putin ordering a partial mobilization of reservists to referendums in occupied areas of Ukraine. To help us understand what it all means, I'm joined by Marcus Kolga, founder of disinfowatch.org, senior fellow at McDonald Laurier Institute Center for Advancing Canada's Interests Abroad. Marcus, thanks so much for joining us. Thank you so much for having me on, Angela. Now, rightly or wrongly, uh, the conflict has kind of been pushed to the back of the news lately. But that all changed this week when we had a couple of developments. I I have you for the whole half hour. So I want to focus, first of all, on what it means when we had Vladimir Putin ordering a partial mobilization of reservists. What does this mean? Well, that's that's a good question, Angela. Look, we're, we're now in the seventh month of this war. And this is a war that started on, you know, in late February of this year. Vladimir Putin, of course, said that it would be a limited three-day operation. Uh, and it's clearly not been successful. Um, uh, over the past two weeks, we've seen uh, Rush- uh, Ukraine's forces push back uh, the Russian army from uh, large swaths of territory that were taken earlier on in the east of Ukraine, uh, going right up to the Russian border. Um, they're threatening to do that in, in the south as well. Um, Russian troops are deserting their positions. They are jumping out of the tanks that they're in. They are stripping off their uniforms and they have been seen running towards Russia. So, um, you know, morale is very low uh, with uh, the Russian troops. Uh, The equipment, uh, the weapons that Vladimir Putin has on the front line, he is pulling out essentially museum pieces, tanks and artillery from from the Cold War era because he can no longer fix the modern uh, weapons that he has due to the the sanctions that we've imposed on Russia. Um, So, you know, with these losses, they are being echoed in in Russia. They are being noticed in Russia at at the moment. Uh, The cracks are appearing in the support for this, the Russian domestic support for this war, the political support for this war, political support for Vladimir Putin. And so the only way out for Vladimir Putin right now is to uh, put more resources to that front. And as you mentioned, there's there's this call up of 300,000 new Russian troops. These aren't necessarily new Russian troops. They are um, reservists. Uh, Many of them are are 50, 60 years old. Um, And quite frankly, it's very difficult to see, uh, given the circumstances, given the low, low morale, given the state of all of the weapons that Vladimir Putin has, it's hard to see how this will make any sort of major difference, uh, given the the high morale on the Ukrainian side, the victories that they've they've recently had, and certainly the Western weapons that are being delivered to Ukraine to help them defeat uh, the the Russians and and this invasion. Um, So, you know, this is a move that uh, tells me that Vladimir Putin is desperate. He is in a certain, you know, you could almost say that he's in a bit of a state of panic because uh, at this moment, not only is his war uh, and victory there being clearly threatened, he is uh, on the retreat. Uh, and I think that he's feeling right now that his own position and his own political future are at stake and threatened as well if he does not 
um, stop the Ukrainian army right now um, and and you know demonstrate some gains in in this war that has claimed uh, tens of thousands of young Russian lives. Let's let's go back to the fact that these reservists, which I didn't know, as you said, they're in their fifties and sixties. Uh, is this them. almost like some of them? Is this almost uh, like conscription? Can they say no to this, or they will be forced to actually head to the front lines? Well, you know, I think a lot of uh, experts, uh, military experts, Russian military experts have been sort of debating this. And uh, those questions have been asked in Russian state media over the past you know, 24 hours. Um, uh, the defense minister Shoigu has been asked that question. And no one's really giving a very clear answer as to what could happen. Um, you know, there have been questions as to whether the borders, Russia's borders, will be closed to, to men over a certain age or under a certain age to prevent them from fleeing. Um, this is clearly, you know, right now, uh, what we're seeing, uh, in addition to uh, this conscription, is uh, is a mass flight of Russian men. Um, the the flights out of Russia uh, to locations where uh, the Russians are allowed visa free travel are are completely booked for the next week. Um, tickets to places like Dubai uh, are right now a one way ticket is going for around ten thousand um, dollars. You know these Russian men who perhaps were our reservists are escaping as quickly as possible. They have no interest in, uh, in fighting this, this war for Vladimir Putin. So, um, you know, like I said, there, there, many of these reservists are, are older men. Um, these aren't military experts. They're going to need to get trained. Um, they are going to need equipment. And um, from all accounts, this, uh, this process could take some time. So um, even though there's been this call up, this mobilization, it's not like there are going to be, you know, tomorrow there are going to be 300,000 new troops uh, on the front lines. This is going to take, this is a process that will take weeks, perhaps even months uh, before these men get, get, get to the front lines and what condition they'll be in to fight, um, who knows? Uh, you know, whether they, they're, they're certainly not going to be much of a match for the hardened troops on the Ukrainian side. So uh, it remains to be seen if they'll have any effect at all. I'm Angela Kogat in for Ben O'Hara Byrne. You're listening to a little more conversation. My conversation this evening is with Marcus Kolga, the founder of disinfowatch.org, bringing us up to date on the situation in Ukraine. Uh, before the break, we were talking about Vladimir Putin's decision to partially mobilized, what, 300,000 reservists. This segment, Marcus, I want to focus on the other thing that's been making headlines. The whole idea of these referendums, I think it's in four occupied areas of Ukraine. How is this looking? And at this point, it sounds like the West isn't taking it seriously. Well, I, yeah, I don't think anyone can take this uh, very seriously. The, the outcomes of those referendum are, are pre referendums are, are, are predetermined. Um, they will vote to join the to, to, to join the Russian Federation, um, and this is a tactic that the Russians have been using for the past hundred years. Uh, in 1940, uh, you know, just ahead of the uh, or in the sec during the Second World War, um, Russia, the Soviet Union then um, imposed ultimatums on the Baltic states. Uh, in 1940, um, they also held referendum there, uh, and uh, the the results were predetermined. And uh, the people of those uh, nations, Latvia, Lithuania, and Estonia, 
um, all voted to join the Soviet Union. I mean, that's it's not true. That's not what happened. But, um, you know, the Russians continue to use this tactic in many places where they go in uh, in, in in parts of Georgia. They did that in, in 2008 after invading Georgia in 2014, of course, when Russia started this war and, uh, and invaded and illegally annexed uh, Crimea in the south of Ukraine, uh, a referendum was held there. The results were also, again, predetermined. And, uh, and Vladimir Putin you know, loudly announced that Crimea had chosen to join Russia. Um, so, you know, it's a bit of a joke. Um, I don't think that any Western leader, I'm, I'm not even sure that Russia's friends in China and Iran will necessarily recognize those results. Uh, because they are uh, so flimsy. But um, I think the real concern here for uh, the West and for Canadians should be that um, what Vladimir Putin is trying to do in this process is establish national borders in areas that his troops are simply clinging on to uh, in those four regions. Um, these are sections of, of Ukraine that that Russia has taken over the past seven months. They're not huge parts of, of territory, but there's, you know, it, I don't think anyone would believe that the local population uh, would choose to, uh, to join Russia in them. But once these referendum pass and he claims to have annexed these territories, um, something else happens. And it's a very concerning escalation, potential escalation of this conflict. Um, Vladimir Putin has repeatedly said over the past seven months, that he would potentially use weapons of mass destruction, nuclear weapons, for example, um, if the if Russia's borders were violated or threatened in any way. If these areas become part of Russia, then he can use the argument that Russia's borders are in fact being threatened by Ukrainian forces because Ukraine the Ukrainian army will continue pressing the assault. They will try to continue taking back that territory. And so the real concern is, how does Vladimir Putin react? Does this, is he going to use this, uh, the, these, these referendum, these annexations, to potentially justify the use of chemical weapons, biological weapons, tactical nuclear weapons? Over the past seven months, we've seen that he has no moral conscience. He has uh, killed tens of thousands of Ukrainian civilians. He has targeted hospitals, schools, uh, apartment buildings, um, water treatment, water, uh, water uh, treatment facilities. Um, and so it wouldn't surprise me at all if he used some sort of form of mass uh, weapons of mass destruction in this conflict after this, this happened. So that's my real concern. I think everyone needs to be keeping a very close eye on that. Marcus Kolb is my guest this evening, founder of disinfowatch.org. And Marcus, as, as I said, the West doesn't, isn't taking these referendums seriously, but as you pointed out, they would have to take that very seriously, the concern of, of nuclear weapons. Uh, can, you, can you tell me what we've heard as far as Russian citizens? Because throughout this conflict, it we haven't heard as much as far as how they're supporting it. And then I guess they can't show that they're not supporting it for risk of punishment by Vladimir Putin. Yeah. So early on in the conflict, and I think it was around the second or third week, maybe even the second week of the, of the war, um, there were very large protests actually in, in Moscow and St. Petersburg that occurred. I mean, we're talking about thousands of people. Um, 
And this is at the same time that Vladimir Putin actually passed legislation in Russia that banned the use of the word war in connection to this conflict. Um, and so when these protests broke out, um, they were violently repressed. Um, to this date, I think there are uh, over 10,000 people who were arrested. They still continue to face potential uh, charges that would keep them in prison for for 10 years or longer. Uh, and so through this sort of violent repression, very aggressive repression uh, of any sort of criticism of the war, he's uh, managed to terrorize his people into silence. And, and so the polls that we've been seeing demonstrate that uh, you know most Russians uh, don't necessarily support the war, but they're not outwardly publicly critical of it either for good reason. Um, but things have been changing. Uh, certainly over the past two weeks when we've seen these uh, Ukrainian victories in, in eastern uh, Ukraine, um, criticism of, of the war has become more vocal. There are uh, city councillors in, in Moscow and St. Petersburg who have braved the potential of, of, that, that, uh, of arrest and repression and have sponsored a petition calling for Vladimir Putin to resign as president. This is a very, very big deal. Um, there have been various oligarchs who have been critical of, of the regime. And uh, probably most importantly, just two days ago, the most popular Russian singer, Ala Pugacheva, who was uh, a famous uh, pop artist back in, in the, during the Cold War era, um, she came out and publicly criticized the war just two days ago. And certainly today, after the announcement of the, of the mass mobilization, um, hundreds of people took to the streets in various cities across Russia, and many of them were arrested. So, you know, uh, it, it seems that the cracks are starting to appear. Uh, the fact that um, Vladimir Putin cannot control um, the, the defeats that his army is, is, is suffering in, in the east and in the south, um, you know, my sense right now, uh, given the criticism that's happening and, and his, uh, the state of his army, uh, this, we might be witnessing at this moment the start of the end of Vladimir Putin. Um, it, it doesn't mean that he's going to go away in the next few days or in the next few weeks. But I think that if the West can sustain the sanctions that they've imposed on Russia, if we can send more weapons to Ukraine and Ukraine continues to, to push the, the, the Russians out of eastern Ukraine and southern Ukraine, uh, and if they can win this and literally push Rus uh, Russian troops out of all of that Ukrainian territory, I think there's a very good chance that Vladimir Putin will no longer be president in a year's time or, or in a year's, year and a half's time. Well, that'll be interesting to see how it all plays out. Marcus, as always, thanks for your time and expertise on this. Anytime. Thanks for having me on, Angela.